If you take your Bibles, go with the book of John, chapter number 15. John, chapter 15. When we come to John 14, 15, and 16, uh, the Lord Jesus is working very specific, specifically with his disciples and preparing them to live the Christian life. And it's a, a very wonderful study in preparing us to live life. There's something, uh, many things wonderful about the Bible, but something that I find very wonderful about God's Word is it does not leave out the bad things. If you study other religions, and you, for, for instance, Greek mythology, you study Greek mythology, and it tells these big, tall tales about its gods, but often leaves out the bad news. Have you ever been around something, if, if somebody says something that seems too good to be true, it probably is. And uh, I'll just tell you, the gospel message that Jesus Christ saves us from the condemnation of hell is not too good to be true. It's wonderful. But the Bible often gives the bad side and always gives the reality of how it's going to really look like. I like to study lives of people like Abraham. We're working on Abraham in Sunday school this morning. And Abraham in the New Testament is declared as a man of great faith. But the Bible doesn't leave out the fact that he made some really boneheaded mistakes along the way. And uh, other characters like Jacob who did some really awful things. And uh, the Bible doesn't leave those things out. How about your hero Goliath? Boy, I mean not your hero Goliath, David, your hero David. Uh, old David, my lands, what a hero. But David uh, had an affair with Bathsheba, and David did some pretty rotten things. And so one of the things that testifies to the reality and the truth of Scripture is the fact that the Bible does not leave out the things that are negative. It doesn't paint a picture that is like false advertising. And when we come to John chapter number 15, the end of John 15 and the beginning of John chapter number 16, Jesus paints a picture that's not very pretty, but it's very true. And he's preparing his disciples to live life. The Bible says in our text this morning, John chapter 15, verse number 18, if you'll follow along with me. The Bible says in John 15, 18, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. For this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the father, even the spirit of truth, 
which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. In verse number 1 of chapter 16, we see great purpose, God's purpose. And talk about how bad you're going to be hated. How many of you love when folks tell you, man, that, that guy hates you? It's, it's warm and fuzzy, isn't it? But Jesus says, I'm telling you these things because when it happens, don't be offended. Don't fall into this trap of offense that the devil's going to set for you. Don't be offended. Verse number 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, and you shall see me, shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. And quite frankly, as a preacher who wants to encourage his people, when I read through this the first time, I think, Lord, should I just skip this? And I found out a long time ago when I'm preaching through a passage of Scripture and my flesh wants to skip something, that's generally a good sign that I need to park there for a minute. Have you ever been led astray by false advertising? This happened to me not long ago, and it was devastating. It happened at McDonald's. How many of you have ever been led astray by false advertising at McDonald's? Have you ever seen the pictures of those cheeseburgers they put up on the... And then you get yours. It's like, what happened? They had this thing... Not long ago, and I got really excited about it. I think it was called Land, Air, and Sea. And basically, it looked perfect for a guy that likes to eat. It was a McChicken. It was a filet of fish And it was a Big Mac. And they had this picture out on the outside window of that thing stacked together with three pieces of bun right in the middle. I mean, oh, it looked great. It was like that tall on the picture. And I saw it and I was like, I am getting that. 
This is going to be awesome. And I just got to imagine what it was going to come looking like. I thought, man, can you imagine the box they've had to come up with to put this thing in? It's awesome. And I ordered it, and I was set back just a little bit because when I ordered it, the thing was $15. I was like, it's okay. I'm not going to ever do this again, but I can't wait to see that thing. This is going to be awesome. Guess what happened? I ordered it. It came in a bag. I sat down at the table. I opened the bag, and much to my dismay, guess what it was? It was a McChicken wrapped up as a McChicken. It was a Big Mac in a box, just a Big Mac. And it was a filet fish And the whole deal was they should have put in big letters underneath the picture, some assembly required. <laughs> Ultimate letdown. How many, who else here fell for that? I see some other. I see your hand. May the Lord encourage you this morning. I mean, what? I was let down. How many of you have ever been to a, a restaurant and you've, you've seen the commercial and you went to the restaurant and you thought, I can't wait to see what this thing looks like. And when you got it, man, you were really let down. False advertisement. But when you come to this passage of Scripture, the Lord Jesus does something that I think is very good. He doesn't make any bones about it to his disciples and he makes no bones about it to you and I. Living the Christian life is not easy. Let me tell you something. If you ever hear somebody that claims to be a Bible preacher, Bible teacher, who tells you about all the honey and none of the bees, or all the roses and none of the thorns, don't listen to them very long. Because the truth of the matter is, living the Christian life is not easy. I'm here to be a blessing. I guess what? I looked up some statistics this morning, one specifically I found very interesting. There is a 20% chance that you will die of cancer. One in five will die of cancer. How many of you have a loved one that's died of cancer? Would you raise your hand? It's awful, isn't it? How many of you know a Christian that died of cancer? Would you raise your hand? Me too. 20% chance you'll die of cancer. Let me tell you something else really encouraging. There is 100% chance that you're going to die unless Jesus comes again. And however you die, I want you to know something. Death is just not very pleasant, is it? I mean, it's going to happen. Let me tell you some other wonderful things. You're going to have upset stomachs, you're going to have headaches. You're going to get old if you live, and the things you do are going to be harder to do than they used to be. I just just want to be a blessing, you guys. Man, life stinks. It's terrible. Life is terrible. If you do not have the hope for living life, Life is terrible if you allow yourself to be deceived into thinking somehow that you're going to avoid any problems or any griefs or any issues. I'll tell you, I don't really like bad news, but there's some things, some bad news that, you know, I'm glad I learned. It didn't take me long to understand 
that my hopes and dreams of being an NBA basketball star just were crushed. Somebody told me, you're not going to make it the NBA. I'm glad I came to grips with that at 25. Just kidding. I'm glad I came to grips with the fact that I wasn't going to be an NFL football player. I'm glad I came to grips with the fact that I wasn't going to ever be tall and skinny. I'm thankful. My pastor had this saying, and I've adopted it. He said, I had two goals growing up. He said, I wanted to weigh at least 200 pounds and be at least six foot tall. He says, I've reached one of my goals. Me too. I'll just tell you, life has disappointments, does it not? Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been broken hearted? Yeah. Have you ever thought, why in the world am I having to deal with this? And some people have this idea, if I will give my life to Jesus and I do everything right, then I won't have to deal with these problems. That is the biggest lie the devil's ever told. Because you know what happens? When you begin to think, because I've done everything right, I won't have to deal with any trouble. The moment some trouble comes along the way, you get offended at God. And so God, in his word, and Jesus preparing his disciples, he says, boys, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be okay. Because I have a plan, and I have a purpose, and I have a gift to give you that is going to help you through the realities of life. The word is this. He says, the comforter is come. He says, life's going to be tough, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. In chapter number 14, that's what he says, I won't leave you comfortless. In chapter number 15 and chapter number 16, there's an emphasis. Look what the Bible says in verse 26. Chapter 15. When the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you. Look what the Bible says again in chapter number 16 and verse number 7. Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for I go not away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. He says, I'm sending the comforter. I will send him unto you. In verse 13 of chapter 16, he says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. What does Jesus say? Listen, life's going to be tough. But you're not going to face it alone. Life's going to have its issues and difficulties. But I'm going to send the comforter. Today's message is just simply titled that, The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. May we not be deceived with some prosperity gospel that says, If you say yes to Jesus, everything is going to be perfect. No, you still live in a sin-cursed world. And life is going to throw its punches. But we are not looking for the great escape from life's trouble. We are looking and counting and depending on the great promise that God is going to give us the comforter. He's going to give us the grace to face the things that we face and deal with the troubles that we deal with. And not only is he going to give us grace to get through, he's going to give us the ability to thrive and even be happy in the midst of life's troubles. How many of you have had any pains this week? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have had any joys and pains this week? Would you raise your hand? 
Isn't that how it goes? You see, if we live our lives looking and expecting there to be days where there's no issues and all happies, we're going to live our lives looking for a day that will not come. If we look at life through God's perspective, knowing that God will send the comforter in the midst of our troubles, then we'll live life with peace because we're dealing with life through the lens of reality. God is faithful. You see, there's not going to be a trouble that comes down the pike that God is not faithful and able to give you comfort and joy through it. Oh, may God help us to be looking in the right area. There's three things I want to share with you this morning from this text. This is not false advertising. God says, hey, it's going to be tough, but I'm going to send you the comforter. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to give you peace. It's going to be rough at times, but you can know that the difficulty of the moment is producing the purpose of Christ for eternity. May God help us to understand the comforter is come. Number one, to the troubled, the comforter is come. He speaks to his disciples and says some things that are very pointed. It's interesting to note that he's just talked about in the same chapter, chapter 15, about the vine. He says, if you'll abide in me, I'll abide in you. He says, you'll bear fruit. You're going to have joy and you're going to have love. And then he says in the next section that I've preached on recently, he encourages his disciples to love one another. He knew they would be tempted to hate one another. He says, I want you to love one another. And then he continues and he says some things that are very strong. Verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. He says, the world's going to hate you, but it hates you because it hates me first. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. Have you ever wondered how people who are doing the wrong thing seem like they get a pass and have it easy at times? If you're, Don't be deceived by thinking that the world and the world's way and the people of the world are having all the fun and you're not. I'll have you know something. They may have fun for a moment, but the consequences are great and grand. Have you ever seen anybody really just go wild and have a blast for a while, but then you look and you see that their blast and their time of great pleasure has turned out to bite them? It works that way. Now, he says, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. He says, if you're, not, if you're of the world and you're worldly, the world's not going to hate you. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He says, because you're with me and you're part of me and because you're a Christian, the world hates Christians. The world hates folks who stand on truth and stand for Christ. The Bible says, verse 20, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying... They will keep yours. That word, that phrase, kept my saying, it means if they've remembered what I've said and tried to use it against me. He says, if they've kept my saying, they'll keep yours. They'll try to turn your words on you. Verse 21, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not that him that sent me. He says, they're doing this because they don't know God. They don't know God. Now, as a Christian, when you begin to face opposition, I want you to understand something. To the troubled, the comforters come. If you're living for Jesus, there's going to be, there's going to be issues. There's going to be troubles. And that's okay. 
prepare yourself. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had, they, not, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Jesus basically just says here, he says, if I hadn't spoken the truth of this world, they wouldn't have even known that they were sinners. He's not saying he made them sinners. He said they wouldn't have known they were sinners. They were sinners because they were descendants of Adam. As in Adam, all die. He says, but if I, hadn't, if I hadn't come, they wouldn't have even known they had sin. So Jesus coming and even making the world upset is a blessing to the world. That upsetness is something that provokes, that provokes us to be saved. He says, if I hadn't come, they wouldn't have even known that they were sinners. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. He says, if I hadn't come and done the mighty works that no other man could do, they wouldn't have even known they were sinners. But because of the guilt of their sin, because of the guilt of their sin in their hearts, they hate me for it. You know there's two responses that we can have when God in love shows us that we're sinners. Let me tell you something. Every person who's ever lived and breathed there is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no exceptions. And you cannot be good enough to satisfy the righteous demands of God. That's why it makes a lot of good people mad when you tell them they must repent and get saved. Because their good works are not good enough. No one likes to be told that they're not good enough. But the bottom line is we're all not good enough. It's part of that bad news that God's willing to tell us that will help us and give us peace in the long run. You're not good enough. None of us are. And you can respond to the fact that you're not good enough one of two ways. You can respond to it in anger and hate God. And hate religion and hate church and hate Christians and hate preachers. And You can respond with hate, but the bottom line is you hate God. Or you can respond in humility. You can respond in hate. You can respond in humility. Humility is the response that the Lord is looking for. The Bible says if we confess our sins, just admit we're sinners. He's faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. What's that? Humbly calling on the Lord. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says in verse number 25, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. Now Jesus says, the reason I'm telling you all this, boys, talking to his disciples, and the reason he's telling us this to the Joy Baptist Church on this Sunday morning in 2022 is because he wants you to understand and remember something. When the feeling of offense 
begins to boil up in your heart because you've tried to be good and it doesn't seem to be good enough. Because you've tried to be a Christian, yet you've had to suffer persecution and deal with difficulties. The message that God wants you to know this morning is you are in the world, in a wicked world, and the world hates Christians and your flesh hates Christ and the message of the gospel. And he's warning his disciples, don't be offended. When you have to deal with difficulties, don't be offended. Don't start to hate God. Don't start to hate the message or the messenger or the word. Don't be offended. Surrender. You see, to the trouble, the comforters come. The Bible continues in verse number 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Those are some precious verses, aren't they? Verse number 3. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. To the troubled, the comforters come. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're tempted to rebel against God, humble yourself and repent. If you're tempted to be angry because you got saved back when, but you're having to deal with trouble, don't be offended. Remember, the comforters come. God has given you and has promised to give you everything you need to make it through the difficulty that you're facing. Surrender and serve Him and love Him and wait patiently on Him. You'll be glad you did. If you think, I've tried to live a principled life. I've tried to always do what's right and look what I'm having to deal with right now. Don't be offended. Don't blame God. God's comforter has come. And the same way Jesus was speaking to his disciples on this day, preparing them for what was getting ready to happen, when you're going to do with hate, rejection, even being killed. He wants to speak to God's people this morning and say, listen, don't get offended because you've tried to do everything right and you still had to deal with trouble. Have you ever been around somebody that they tried to do everything right? They got saved. They were on the front row at church for a while, doing shouting amen, doing everything right, doing everything right. But then they're gone all of a sudden. Oftentimes, the thing that drives people away from serving the Lord is they don't get out of earth and out of life what they think they deserve. But I want you to know something. In spite of the troubles that we deal with and face, God has sent us a comforter that will help us through every difficulty. Every difficulty. Now, this is not a message that sells cheeseburgers on the windows of McDonald's. This is not the kind of message that will cause loads of shallow people to flock and fill the pews of a church where the Bible's not preached. But this is a message, and this is a truth that will help you weather the storm as a husband and a wife. This is the kind of message that will help you as a young person when you go off to college to stand the test of time and trust the Lord because the trouble is coming, but with the trouble also comes the comforter. God's with you. Do what's right. Do what's right. Do what's right. Trust the Lord. And you know what you're going to find out? Even when the difficulty arises, 
you're going to find the grace and the strength and the peace that you need to weather the storm. You see, to the troubled, the comforters come. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't be offended. Don't give up. The comforters come. Number two, to the lost, the comforter is come. There's some interesting things here that Jesus continues saying to his disciples. The whole passage really is encouraging the disciples. But here's a message, and it's something that encourages and should encourage the disciples and encourages us. He says in verse 5, but now I go, verse, chapter 16, verse 5, but now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. They're, they're, sad, they're sad because he's leaving, and understandably so. He says, I know that it's, this is sad to you. He says, you've not really asked me of my purpose. He says, you've not asked me where I'm going. You see, none of, he says, none of you have asked me where I'm going. None of you have asked me what's the purpose. He says, but your heart is overcome with sorrow. Now, this tells me something. We should be more concerned about God's purpose than we, than we are the emotion and the difficulty of the moment. He says, sorrow's filled your heart. In verse number 7, Jesus says, nevertheless, in spite of the sorrow, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. It's best, it's right, it's good. It is expedient for you that I go away. Jesus basically says, look here, what's going to happen in the days that are ahead is for your own good. And not only is it for your own good, but it's also for the good and the furtherance of the gospel. He says, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Verse 8 is very important. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. What's he saying? He says, I'm sending the comforter. He's going to comfort you. And he's going to judge the lost. Now, this is not just a judgment that says, condemn them to hell, condemn them. This is a judgment that's going to show them their need of a Savior. Now, I want you to understand something. To the troubled, number one, the comforters come. To the lost, the comforters come. Guess what God uses to help people come to faith in Christ? Often he uses the faithful suffering of Christian people. To draw folks to that, to their Jesus. How many of you have ever been impacted by a Christian who suffered and suffered gracefully? And you're like, I want what they have. How many of you have ever been influenced by somebody like that? What did Jesus say? He says, look, to the lost, the comforters come. I don't know to what extent, but I know it made a great big difference. The suffering of the apostles from this day until the day that they breathe their last breath on earth. Their suffering and the grace of God and the comforter, the Holy Spirit working in their lives was something that God used in a mighty way to show the lost that they need to be saved. How many of you would be willing to suffer a little bit on earth in order that the glory of God would shine through your life and affect other people for his glory? And other people get saved. How many of you would be willing to? I'm just telling you right now, with God's help and through God's grace, I'm willing to do that. 
I'm willing to bear the burden and experience the grace so that the lost can understand what he has is real. To the lost, the comforters come. Have you ever been through a very, very difficult thing? But you saw God and his grace bring you through it. And that trouble that God brought you through is something that you've seen God use to help other people. How many of you can testify, that's me, that's me, me too. To the lost, the comforters come. Look, don't get so discouraged when things aren't going your way. Back up and let God show you himself in the midst of the trouble and let him use it. It'll be worth it. To the lost, the comforters come. Finally, number three, to the pilgrim, the comforters come. I love this passage. Verse number 12, the Bible says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. It says, but here's something you can bear. Verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. I love this little phrase. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Guess what we are? We're pilgrims. I picked that word pilgrim on purpose. Pilgrim is someone who lives in a land that's not really their home. We're just passing through. Now, it's easy in this life to get so caught up with life that we forget that life is short and eternity is long. We forget that God has called his people, Christian people, to be pilgrims and sojourners in this land. The old song says it just right. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But to the pilgrim, the Bible says, I want you to know something. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. Oh, I'm so thankful. How many of you look at the days that are ahead? I say this often. I know I make no apology for it because it just keeps coming up. How many of you see in the days, of, uh, days ahead things, difficulties, Problems and burdens that you say, I don't know how in the world I'm going to deal with that. To the pilgrim, the Lord Jesus sends his word. He says, the comforters come. The comforters come. We're all, always, I don't normally like to use those words, but this is true. We are all, always, embarking on new territory. You see, tomorrow we're going to face things we've never faced before because we've never lived tomorrow. And the next day and the next day, we're facing different phases and stages of life. The Bible says something that's very important to remember. The comforters come. To the pilgrim, the comforters come. And he says he will guide you. I want to discourage you. Not really. You see, truth is something that makes us free. If you begin to read chapter number 15, chapter number 16, you think, my land, Jesus is the most discouraging person that's ever lived. It's not true. 
You see, when we know the truth, the truth makes us free. And when we realize, hey, look, I don't want to deal with things. But it doesn't matter what I deal with. God is greater. And His grace is sufficient. The Comforter is come. The Comforter is come. You know what I need to be looking for? The Comforter. There's this great song. I listened to it this morning. Greater Vision sings it. It's titled, I'm Looking for the Grace. I'm Looking for the Grace. And there's a statement in the song that I love. It says, I'm not looking for the great escape. I'm looking for the grace. You know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to think that we can only be happy if we escape all of our troubles. That's a lie that leaves you empty, cold. I'm not looking for the great escape. I'm looking for the grace. Because Jesus said the comforters come. Let me tell you something. There's no false advertising in the Bible, and I'm thankful for that. I like to just see it the way it is. And God says, here's the way it is. It's going to be tough. But the comforters come. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. And we can have hope in the days that are ahead because the comforter is come. We have him. May God help us.